We're going to continue in our series today. We're in a series called We've Got the Spirit, and today we're talking about, um, we're talking about what we're going to call an orphaned spirit. Uh, I think everybody recognizes that we've been uh, living in, we're living in difficult times, but let me say, difficult times are not something new. Uh, <laughs> there's always been difficult times. There since, uh, since the, the time of creation, since man sinned, uh, there have been some difficult times. And, and we find that at the end of the Old Testament, that uh, the nation of Israel, the people of God, the world was, going, was in a very difficult time, a very difficult situation. And God, in evaluating that situation, said, I've got a plan to help make things better. And so in the book of Malachi... Uh, I know when everybody, uh, when a preacher mentions the book of Malachi, everybody thinks we're going to go to Malachi chapter 3 and talk about tithing, and, and tithing's a good thing. Okay, amen, tithing, and we know opens the windows of heaven and the Lord will pour out blessings. So, but, uh, but there are other scriptures in the book of Malachi. As a matter of fact, the very last scripture, the very last thing God says at the last book of the Old Testament just before there's going to be, <coughs> excuse me, before there's going to be 400 years of a, a kind of silent history that's going on there, before the New Testament begins, God looks down through time and He looks down through history and He says, "Man, things there's going to be some tough times. There's going to be some difficult times, but I've got a plan. I've got something that's going to help my people. That's going to release in lives. That's going to release in the earth." What's going to be needed for, uh, to see my, um, my purposes fulfilled? And here's what he says in Malachi chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. He says, But for you who fear my name, <clears throat> the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. Aren't you thankful Jesus provides healing for us? It's every level, every place of our life. It says, And you shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Now, sometimes we don't understand all these illustrations of Scripture, but um, if you've ever seen a, a, a cow or a, maybe a, I think back to a horse. My mom one day was uh, riding a horse, and it went and stepped onto a freshly plowed field, and all of a sudden, that, I guess it felt so good to that horse that it just laid down, saddled and everything, started rolling, dust going everywhere. But if you've ever seen kind of this, a calf just enjoying a spring day, jumping and leaping, and what God's saying here is, Look, I'm going to release something in the world that's going to bring so much healing into people's lives, that's going to do so many good things in people's lives. It's going to set you free. It's going to bring joy to your life, and then you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord. And I'm going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. So what God's saying here, he's saying that the key, that one of the great keys to the transformation and transition that needs to take place in our world is when the hearts of fathers are turned back to their children. They want the well-being of their children, and the hearts of their children want relationship and want the benefit and the blessing of a father in their lives. And I know, I know that this uh, is lack, has been lacking in many people's lives. And, and, and what we're going to talk about today, let me just say right up front, <clears throat> that, um, that this isn't just for people who haven't had a father in your life. Maybe you lived in a home like I did, where for um, all of my life, my, my dad and mom were married until my dad passed away. And, uh, 
And, um, but, but that never meant that we had, my, that my dad and I had a good relationship. And so there were difficulties in this relationship that, that made me believe some things about myself and about him and about, about God that just weren't true. So I'm saying that, that God's plan is for us to have a turn and a change in our hearts where we can recognize who God is and what his plan is for our lives. So, so this is what God says I'm going to do. I'm going to turn hearts. I'm going to restore hearts. I'm going to restore relationships. Well, since that time, two, two things have taken place. The first thing that took place was that Jesus came to restore the relationship of God the Father with all of his children and to reveal to them their true identity. I appreciate Pastor Chris mentioning that. We've got to know who God is and, 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 and who we are in him. We've got to have a right identity about ourselves or, or everything just gets, um, just gets messed up. So Jesus came and he says, the one of, and I'm thankful for all that Jesus did. I'm thank, anybody here thankful for forgiveness of sins? Some of you need to be a whole lot more thankful than that. For, okay. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving our sins. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for, for but, and, but you know what he says? He says, I want to restore a right relationship between God and man. I want to bring back together that which has been broken, that where there's been a breach. I want to come and repair and restore. And, and that's God's heart and that's God's plan. And as a matter of fact, in John chapter 1, verse 12, the scripture says, but to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. You know, here's, here's what's being said here. When those of us that believe in Jesus Christ, that when we believe in Jesus Christ, we receive the, the gift of forgiveness and, and deliverance and all healing and all that goes on. But he says, also, I'm going to give you the power and this word power, I love this word because it not only means just strength, but it means power, authority. I'm going to give you the right. I'm going to give you the ability, the liberty, the jurisdiction, and I'm going to give you the actual strength to become sons of God. I know we like to think of all of the world. Every person on earth is children of God, and, and yes, without God, there's no life. But can I tell you that the true children of God are children of God who've been born again through Jesus Christ and who are made to be sons of God by His Spirit dwelling in our lives. So we're going to live as those sons. Aren't you thankful for that strength today that He gives us to be His sons? Nothing separating us from an incredible, wonderful relationship with God. Well, the second thing that's taken place that I believe we're seeing the fruits of and the manifestation of <clears throat> so much in our world today is that the devil has ramped up his efforts to ruin every relationship with God and in turn to ruin all of the families of the earth. How many people know that that's the plan of the enemy? To come in and to wreak havoc and destruction and division and, and to bring pain and hurt into every life, amen? As it was so eloquently stated, as it was so, you know, just beautifully stated recently, that the, I think it was said like this, that the devil, he's just an, an ugly butthead, right? Uh, so uh, thank you, Pastor Chris, for that wonderful uh, description there. We, <laughs> so, so he does, he wants, he wants to bring pain. He wants to destroy our lives. And I think that one of the ways this is happening today is what we're going to focus on, what we're going to call an orphan spirit. 
And this orphan spirit, as we've talked about in our series, you know, here that, uh, that we've got the spirit, that, that whether it's a, a spirit of racism or if it's a spirit, an orphan spirit, or, and let me tell you, don't, don't miss next week, we're going to talk about a poverty spirit, that it, it's a demonic activity that works to press or to influence our lives to get us to believe wrong things and adopt a wrong mindset. So I'm going to use these phrases, orphan spirit, orphan mindset, kind of interchangeably here. You know, one person uh, said it like this. He said, an orphan spirit, it's a demonic activity that leads to a mindset, a way of seeing and functioning life. It's a type of demonic spirit that invades a person's mind, causing a sense of abandonment, loneliness, alienation, and isolation. It often attaches itself to someone who's experienced extreme rejection in his or her life. And I wish we had time to go into all this, but can I say this, that if you've ever been, if you're a natural, if, if, if in your, your physical life you've been an orphan, can I tell you that doesn't say something, that doesn't determine who you are. It really doesn't. It may say something about the situation of your parent or parents, but God's got a plan and a purpose, a beautiful plan and a purpose for your life. He goes on and says, that a person operating out of an orphan spirit compensates these feelings of insecurities by being performance-driven, competitive, and many times working in isolation or independence. They struggle with self-worth and find it difficult to maintain healthy relationships. I think we see this, again, being manifest so, so often. So the spirit of being fatherless um, is so important because the identity that we receive really does, it flows through the Father. We know that's true physiologically, but in so many areas. And I really do think that it's a major issue in our world today that manifests in an abundance of ways. And I'd like to just share a few of, those, a few of the statistics that we read and we hear about. Here you go. Um, here's some statistics that talk about fatherlessness in our world today. 85% of youth currently in prison today grew up in a fatherless home. And you might think, well, that's somewhere else. That's some other place. Can I tell you, that comes from the Texas Department of Corrections. That's here in Texas. That's not the other side of the world, the other side of America. That's, that's right here where we're at. 85% of the youth in prison grew up in a fatherless home. Seven out of every ten Youth that are housed in a state-operated correctional facility, including detention and treatment centers, come from fatherless homes. Children without a father are four times more likely to be living in poverty than children with a father. 24.7 million children in the United States live in a home where their biological father is not present. Teen girls from fatherless homes um, are four to seven times more at risk uh, to become mothers before the age of 20. In um, 2000, this goes back a ways, but in 2011, 44% of children in homes headed by, a, headed by a single mother lived in poverty. They lived in poverty, 44%. Children who live in a single parent home are more than two times more likely to commit suicide than children in a two parent home. And can I say they're much more likely to face uh, abuse and neglect in a homes where a father's not there. Uh, 72% of Americans believe that a single parent uh, believe that a fatherless home is the most significant social problem and family problem that's facing that's facing our country and I would uh, uh, tend to agree with them. 75% of rapists are motivated by displaced anger that's associated with feelings of abandonment 
that involved their father. Um, 75% of the adolescent patients being treated in substance abuse centers come from living in a fatherless home. 85% of all children which exhibit some type of behavioral disorder come from a fatherless home. 63% of youth suicides involve a child who was living in a fatherless home when they made their final decision. And on and on and on. I could quote the statistics. Those are just select ones. I think it's obvious the importance of fathers in homes. And, and, and I didn't say this in the first service, but I want to be sure to say it today uh, here in this service. Is to those of you who stand in the gap, to those of you who stepped in and who, have, uh, who serve in foster care, to those of you who represent or being the hands and feet of Jesus, those of you that are being Jesus in, in the flesh to people that are struggling with these issues and could become a statistic, I want to say thank you. Thank you to those of you that have adopted. So we see the natural impact. We see what's going on in our world. And I think we can hear the cries of desperation echoed on the news every night. We see people that are operating out of an orphan spirit or an orphan mindset. But you know, it doesn't just stop in the natural. It impacts us in the spiritual realm and the, uh, as well. When we live without a clear understanding or a revelation of who we are in God, we are always going to struggle in our relationship with God and, and probably with our relationship with each other. So to do understand it just a little better, I want to lead us through kind of a, a, a little bit of work here this morning, uh, going through a comparison. And let's just compare the, the spirit that uh, operates out of um, an orphan spirit versus a spirit of true sonship. Here are just a few traits. The orphan spirit operates out of insecurity and jealousy, where the spirit of true sonship functions out of love and acceptance. It seems like that in the, in, in the lives of those who are being influenced by an orphan mindset, that they're always battling with jealousy and insecurity, that they're always um, have a hard time relating to God. Many times it's because they can't relate to a biological father. They, um, they feel threatened. Many times when they, someone else gets praise, another sibling gets something, it, it carries, you know, they, they respond to situations. Something may weigh an ounce, but they respond like it weighs a hundred pounds on their lives. And uh, that's not how sons operate. Instead, sons know that they are loved and that they are accepted by the Father, and then they can, um, they can, they can rejoice because uh, they know that um, they want others to be blessed. The second thing is that an orphan spirit, we kind of said this, but the orphan spirit is jealous of the success of others, but a mature son is committed to the success of others. And as children of God, as sons of God, um, by his spirit, because Jesus lives in us, you know what? We, we need to understand that part of who we are is, is we are the people who carry the promise of Abraham in our lives. And that promise of Abraham was that God would bless Abraham so much that through him, he would bless the nations of the earth. And can I tell you that in Christ, that's still who we are today. We are people who live and exist to be a blessing to every person on the face of the earth. That's the strength and the power that God gives us. Amen? 
So the orphan spirit serves God to earn the Father's love. Many times we find them caught up in and just works and have to work harder and pray harder and go more and do more where the mature son serves God out of a sense of divine acceptance and knowing that the favor of God is on them. Hey, do you know that you are blessed and highly favored in Jesus Christ? Do you, you're blessed and highly favored? You are blessed and highly favored. Why don't you turn to the person beside you this morning and say, you're blessed, you're highly favored, you're blessed, you're highly favored. Go ahead and tell them. You are blessed and highly favored because of all of the, inse- uh, the insecurities, because of all the turmoil that goes on in um, an orphan's life, an orphan, someone with an orphan mindset's life, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, that many times they try to self-medicate to calm the voices, to calm the angst in their own hearts and in their own lives. But the mature son... A mature son walks in the joy and the presence of the Lord for comfort. Now, I've got to tell you, I've lived there. I've been one of those that uh, I found myself, even as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, there's times, I've shared this before, I've stood at the pantry. I wasn't hungry, had just finished dinner, you know, not too long ago. But there was something, I needed something. Has anybody ever been there? I needed something. I needed to go watch something, drink something, eat something, do something And can I tell you, you'll never be able to get something from the outside that's going to fix the things on the inside. But as a son, we can receive God's love and acceptance and identity. We can walk in his joy, and we can walk in the assurance of knowing that we are his children and what great peace and comfort that brings to our lives. Amen? So an orphan spirit is driven by a need for success. Okay, I've got to succeed, and sometimes for me to succeed means I need to use other people if I'm operating from an orphan mindset. So, so I see people as a way to achieve my goal rather than seeing people that I get to bless and that I get to minister to and that I get to encourage. So the orphan spirit's driven by a need for success where the spirit of a true son um, it comes from a calling and mission that's assigned by the Word and by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. So the orphan spirit uses people. We live to bless people. And can I say this? If, you're, if your focus on people is to use them, then those relationships are always, are always going to lack intimacy, and they're always going to be distorted. If um, I've seen, we've seen this. We've seen parents who have children, and they, they have children because they think having children is going, to, um, is going to help fix maybe a, a relationship or a marriage, right? Uh, if you believe that, I've got some land I'd like to talk to you about selling you. That, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just ridiculous, isn't it? The orphan has great, uh, and, 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 and again, think about this in the context of where we're living today. The orphan has issues with uncontrollable anger and fits of, fits of rage and other forms of manipulation. They have this something that's always seething. It's kind of like that the, 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 the pot is always at 211 degrees. And because our youth group has been 212, you know, I know this, this is a statistic. I know one degree makes it. 212 is the boiling point, right? And so something's kind of always seething in them. And, and before you know it, one little thing happens. And like I said, something that weighs an ounce. And, man, you get an explosion and wonder where that came from. Well, it wasn't something from the outside making them something. It was 
just to the inside erupting and showing what was going on, right? The true sons, the true sons, right? They're always resting in the father's um, in the father's ability, the trusting in the father's ability to control their lives and to direct their futures. We can't control everything that happens to us. We can't control every circumstance and situation. How many people just have enough time controlling your own day? <laughs> I mean, anybody ever found that to be true? Man, we don't control our days, right? And we're going to put our trust in the Lord. We're going to trust him to be who he is, God who is good and faithful. So, so the orphan spirit's always in competition with others. They, um, they always have to one-up people. They have a tendency to be know-it-alls. They're, um, they're, they're, they're always the one that's doing something that has to get them some attention to affirm their identity. But those that walk as sons of God, they're looking to see how they can bless other people. They, they look, you know what, a, a, a true son of God, when somebody gets something and somebody go, something goes good for somebody else, man, they rejoice with them. That, that's, that's one of the things, one of the marks of being children of God is that we weep with those that weep, but we rejoice when, with those that rejoice. Somebody else gets a raise, somebody else finds a, a you know, they get a, that, that husband, they get that wife, they get that date, the whatever it is. We rejoice with them. We're not just like, well, why didn't I get mine, right? We're going to be able to be people who rejoice. So the orphan spirit has a lack of self-esteem. The spirit of sonship walks in love and true identity as a child of God. Uh, The orphan spirit uh, many times receives their identity through material possessions, physical appearance, and through positions. So very concerned a lot of times about about achieving, you know, getting money, getting fame, uh, getting some type of success, some type of a position that will make people think good of them. I was, um, uh, it was interesting for me to, in going, while studying this, going through the study to find out that many movie stars, many sports uh, athletes, many people who've gone on to greatness in many different sectors of society have come out of type of out of an orphaned um, an orphan situation, and what it's done is it's driven them. It's been something that's driven them to um, to to achieve and to do more and to do better and to and to to get others under them so that they can be something. But you know, I'm thankful that that's not how we live. That we live with our identity grounded in our relationship with God, and the only person who gets to, to, to uh, affirm, gets to dictate who we are, is our Heavenly Father. Amen? That's a much better, much better place to live. So again, what we see when we look at this identity of an orphan mindset is we really see a tortured life. We see a life that's, that's always trying to be impacted mentally, relationally. Uh, obviously, we talked about some in the physical realm, poverty and uh, just perpetuation from one generation to the next of terrible things, of difficult things. But can I tell you, those are the things that Jesus came to set us free from. That's a great time to say amen. Those are the things that Jesus came to set us free from. So this orphan mindset, this, uh, this mindset that's consumed with lies and, and wrong beliefs about God and about ourselves, can I tell you, Jesus has broken that from our lives and he gives us the ability to live a whole new life. Amen? So let's think about some of these things about the true signs of sonship. The first thing is, remember, God created us for relationship with himself. 
He didn't create us just to tend the earth and to do works and to do good things and to worship him and to, to be perfunctory in all of our actions of life. That, he created us for relationship. And when that relationship was broken, when, when man sinned and separated himself from God, when that relationship was broken, God immediately set about the work of bringing a restoration of that relationship. He did that throughout history. We see, we can track and trace the activity of God to restore men to a right relationship with himself. So we read this in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. Beginning in verse 12, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, well, let me make that, that doesn't, we don't, we must not have got that. You will live. The choice before us, folks, is death or life. One pizza, two pizzas, right? I mean, (laughs) how many people say, I want to choose life? Let me tell you, life is the thing to choose, amen? It really is. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. It's never been the intention. It's never been the heart, the plan, the activity of God for any person to ever dwell in slavery or bondage. God's plan for his people has always been for his people to live free, to be free, to be who he has created them to be and to do what he's created them to do. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I love the translation that says we created, we were created to call Papa, Papa. As Chris said earlier, we're, we're, we're like the little dog. We, we get to come. We get access to the Father in such a way that he removes everything out of the way so we can run and jump into his lap and dwell in his presence and abide in a healthy, strong, loving relationship with Almighty God. Folks, we need to get this. We need to get this, that God wants us in his presence and he welcomes us into his home and into his presence. Then all that he has is ours. One of my um, favorite words nowadays, um, one of my favorite things to experience is I could be sitting, studying, reading, taking a nap, whatever it is, and all of a sudden I hear the door open, I hear the pitter-patter of little feet, and then I hear the words, Pop! <laughs> I, 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 knew, I know to tighten up and tense up, because either I'm getting ready to get a bow dropped on me, you know, or, or I'm going to hear these words, let's play, come on, let's do this, let's go outside, let's, uh, let's go play in the water, let's wrestle, let's, let's do something, you know what? Let's be together. And can I tell you this? That God didn't create you just for the things you can do for him. I love it when my kids do things for me. I I love it when they show me how much they love and value me by doing things like, just in case you're watching, like cutting the grass, washing the car. Chris's kids cut his grass. Um, (laughs) Washing the car, right? Uh, helping out with activities, uh, you know, buying lunch occasionally, 
right? Has that ever happened in the course of history? You go to lunch with your kids and they buy lunch? No, I didn't think so. Okay, but right? But I, as much as I love kid, my family, my kids doing things for me, what I really enjoy is when they want to do things with me. Amen? And wouldn't it be weird? Wouldn't it be if the kids came in and um, father or great kind father that you are, may I please have your permission to go to the refrigerator and get something to drink or eat? I walked into the kitchen the other day and I heard something and I thought it was one of the, the boys, but the, the little, our little baby girl that can't even crawl yet, uh, and can't even walk yet, they, the boys, she had watched them so much, she would, had crawled over and opened the doors to the pantry, okay, where, where one of our grandsons goes, I need junk, I need, <laughs> because if that's, no, we're not having any more junk today, and shuts the, there's other stuff in our pantry except junk, okay, not much other stuff, but there is other stuff, so, all right, but, but, and she was in there, and already she felt this comfort to go in. They know that all that we have, they have access to. Can I tell you, your father wants you to know that all that he has, you have access to? Listen what the scripture says. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, that we belong in the family. God wants you to know today, you belong in the family. You're not an exception. Your past doesn't get to define that you are or not, are not in the family. The Spirit, His Spirit dwelling in us, dwelling in us, affirms that we belong in the family. And if we are children, then heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ. I love that. You know what an heir is? An heir, it gets something that they didn't have to work for. An heir is gets, they get a, an abundance because somebody else loves them and has written them in. Can I tell you, God's written you in. God has engraved you upon his palms, and, and God says, hey, I not only call you my children, you don't be, just, just get to come back into the family and be children. You haven't just adopt, been adopted back in to be servants or to be slaves, but you get access to everything that I've ever had. Listen, Papa God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives. Hallelujah. That's good news. He's preparing us. He's working in us for his purposes. He wants to use us, but can I tell you, he's also working in us so we can experience and enjoy his presence. Folks, I'm telling you, we've got to get a revelation, a fresh revelation, that we are the children of the King of Kings, that we are royalty. We're part of the royal family, amen? We look at the person beside him and said, you're royalty. Woo, you're royalty, right? We are royalty. First Peter chapter 2 puts it like this in verse 9, but you are a chosen race. Okay, a chosen race, the race of the children of God. You are a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. Royalty flows in your veins. You're a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. Can I tell you that today? Again, can I say it again today? You're, you are royalty. You're part of the royal family. We, we, we need to understand that we're not, we're not people who are just meagerly begging our way through life. As children of royalty, I, I want to let you know, and I want to remind myself as well, that we're never victims. 
We're never the ones that are helpless or hopeless and don't have enough in our life. Can I tell you that, that in the royal household of God, there is more supply, more than enough supply for every circumstance and every situation of your life. That's great news. You know, we're, we're not going to bankrupt God by, by saying, God, we need some of your love. We need some of your mercy. We need some of your grace. We need some of your forgiveness. We need some of your provision in our lives. I'm telling you, God says, I've got more than enough, and I freely give it to you who are my children. So again, our past doesn't get to define us. Your past, your past with God. I don't care what your past was yesterday, what you did or didn't do. It doesn't get to define who you are. Only God gets to define that. And he defines you as a loved, a loved, beautiful, valued, precious child of his that he wants to, he just wants to lavish, lavish his love and his all that he is upon you. Your station in life, where you find yourself today. You may be in a difficult situation. You may be dealing with some difficult relationships. Your relationship with an earthly father may, be, may not be non-existent or very challenging. But can I tell you, that doesn't establish the precedent for your relationship with your heavenly father. I remember the day, I can remember the time when God revealed to me that, Sam, I'm not a dad like your dad was. I'm a dad like you're going to be. Can I tell you, that's God's plan for you. God, he's a great God. He's a great father, and he loves you. And I'm so thankful that other people don't get to define us either. They don't get to define us. Only God gets to establish who we are. Amen? So let me, let me wrap up. Let me close here today with, uh, with two quick stories, two quick stories. First story, a true story here, not a preacher story, true story, is uh, Yvette and I, when we were first married, we were about uh, uh, in our 20s, and uh, so about 100 years ago. And uh, we were living on this, uh, this little island in the Bahamas, and we had uh, gone to Nassau to visit some friends. And, um, and while we were there, the friends said, hey, we've been invited to go to this special event. Would you like to go with us? Sure, that's great. So in the morning we got up, I put on my shorts and T-shirt, and uh, then find out that we're going to a reception for the Queen of Romania. Now, um, I don't hang out with a lot of royalty. Um, you know, that's not my, my daily uh, hangout my, from week to week. Maybe some of you do. I, I hang out with Chris, but some of you may, uh, you know. So, um, so, but I'm telling you that, that, that um, we went there, and, and, and just stepping into where they were having this event, it, you could tell it was a different atmosphere. I mean, the people that greeted you, they were dressed, they were, man, it was amazing, and walked in and saw the tables that were set with, with fine linen and china and, and all this kind, and this was just for a little tea kind of a brunch type of thing, and, and, and you could just see how, how wonderfully, how regally people were, not, and I'm not saying about proud and being, you know, all those kind of things, but, but it, was just, it was just amazing that there was a sense of honor and sense of dignity and respect. And, and then all of a sudden they made the announcement that Queen Elizabeth of Weed, she's coming in. And everybody gave the appropriate little clap, you know. And it was, and she came in and she was just so graceful and so kind and courteous. And, and people that she didn't know and people that were obviously way, way below her station and position in life that she, she was just so kind and gracious. And it was just a very, very uh, enjoyable experience. Can I remind you that you're part of the royal household, that you're part of the royal family of God, 
that no matter how people treat you, there's a presence of grace, there's a presence of God's presence in your life that you can, you can still be at peace when all the world around you has lost their ever-loving minds, right? <laughs> you can still be gracious, you can still be kind, you can still be loving and forgiving, right? Because of who He is. Hallelujah. Amen. Second story. Now, um, when I, I've told this story before, but when I looked it up this past week, um, this would be hard to believe, but there were differing opinions. I know we've never heard of that in our world, that there's ever a differing opinion about anything. So some people say that this is a true story. Other people say that it was just a made-up story. But the story is about Jack Nicholas, the golfer. And so evidently, years ago, Jack uh, Nicholas was um, invited to go and play golf with the uh, the, the Sultan of Saudi Arabia, the King of Saudi Arabia, and uh, he went and did these exhibition, exhibition matches or these golf things. And when they finished it, the, the king says to Jack, he goes, hey, listen, I want to give you a gift. I want to give you something special just for coming. No, that's not necessary. You picked me up in your plane. You've catered to me. You've given me all this wonderful stuff already. And the king says, no, I insist. I insist on giving you something. So what can I give you? And so Jack didn't go up. He says, well, honestly, he goes, I do collect golf clubs. He said, I, you know, and, and in his mind, he was thinking, I've got a collection of putters or drivers or whatever. And the king said, oh, okay, that'll be wonderful. Jack goes home a couple of weeks later. There's a knock on the door. And when he owes and answers the door, that there's a courier there. And the courier says, here, please sign for this. And he says, okay. And he takes the, the envelope and he opens the envelope. And when he unfolds the envelope, there's the deed to a 500-acre, 18-hole golf club. The moral of that story or the message of that story is that kings think differently than we do. They just think differently. And I want you. I want us to think differently. So what do I want you to know? I want you to know today I want you to leave here, and I pray that it is burned into you by the Word and by the Spirit of God that you are not an orphan. You belong to the family of Almighty God, and you are a child of God. You're part of royalty. Amen? What I want you to feel, I want you to feel loved, accepted, valued, esteemed, Esteemed by Almighty God. God knows your name. He loves you. That you're welcomed, that you're desired into his presence. I want you to feel filled and blessed with his spirit in your life. And what do I want you to do? I want you to walk in your identity as a son or a daughter of God. The Bible says that all of creation is groaning, is crying out, is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Your presence is important in the earth today. Your presence as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of God is so very important in the earth today. What I want you to do, I want you to experience his passionate presence in your life. It'll change you. It'll change everything around you. And then I want you to fulfill his amazing, incredible plan for your life today. Amen? Amen.